You're listening to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for agencies that want to grow their business and work less. Agency Highway is sponsored by Content Snare, a platform that helps digital agencies gather content from clients without digging through a storm of emails, huge attachments, and messy Google Docs. Sign up at contentsnare.com and use the chat widget to say you heard about Content Snare on Agency Highway, and you'll get a 30-day trial instead of the typical 14. Now, here's this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to Agency Highway. Today I have a very good friend, our co-working buddy and conference buddy, uh, Angela Henderson joining me. Angela, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me today, James. It's always fun to hang out with one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, so I'm glad to be here. <laughs> this is actually quite funny to me like because we're actually doing this in almost like a professional setting now. <laughs> I'm like, we talk like so much crap uh, normally, and now it's like, wait, we probably shouldn't swear as much as we normally do. Uh, <laughs> I know, and I saw you like preparing, and I was like, oh, James is taking this quite serious, where we're very, <laughs> whenever we hang out, we, all we do is pretty much laugh for the entire time. So uh, yeah, it, it, it's a bit interesting. It's new for me, James, seeing you in a different light. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how this is going to go, but I guess we'll see. Like, <laughs> watching you speak in an event lately, uh, recently was kind of the same. It was like, Angela's professional. What's going on? <laughs> I know. She's it's actually gonna... showered and dressed and out of her hoodie. This is right. We should clarify for listeners that we are both currently unshowered and in our hoodies, right? <laughs> pretty much. We are pretty much, uh, I have at least thrown on, taken off the pajamas and thrown on normal street clothes for the day. So that's as far as I got. That's what happens when you're juggling children in business. So yes. I'm 100% still in pajamas, uh, <laughs> wearing a business event hoodie. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not a good look, but um, you know, it doesn't matter because we're not doing video, are we? We're not doing video. I, I messaged James earlier and was like, listen, James, I've been up since four for another meeting in the US. I was like, you're not recording video today. We'll just do audio. <laughs> I think this is a perfect lead into the topic of human to human marketing because this is kind of humanizing us, right? Uh, 100%. So that's, that's today's topic is human to human marketing. And uh, I saw you present on this recently and it's like, it went down a treat. I think um, everyone loved the topic. So it makes sense to have you on uh, the podcast because I think it's really helpful for, I mean, all business owners, especially agencies, um, we're dealing with other humans um, all the time. So let's start with what the hell is human to human marketing, Angela? So to me, the most simplistic way to look at human-to-human marketing is that it pertains to the experience and interaction one faces with a particular brand. And so so often in the world that we're getting it, and you know I'm a huge fan of automation. You're like the automation, automation king when it comes to things, James. You know, you've told me about the hooks and the zaps and everything in between. So... <laughs> You know, I've learned a lot from you over my time of being friends with you. But I also think the beauty about you, and that's why, again, I think we get along so well, is despite you having 900 million zaps that you zap everything every month, you're still very much about human to human. And through that, I've seen you, you know, in action, making sure that the people you interact with have an experience and an interaction with you yourself, but also just with collectively your brand. And that's what it is. And there's a place and time for automation 100%. My business wouldn't be where it's at, and many of your listeners wouldn't have their business is where they're at without automation. But I think in a world where, especially first world, where things are um, disconnected, people are feeling super lonely in this world, especially in business. You know, a lot of times we're at our desk talking to nobody during the day. We really need to be looking at bringing in that H2H marketing, which again pertains to the experience and the interaction one faces with a particular brand. Yeah, and I've always thought about like the 
is it a dichotomy? That's that's a big word for me. Um, <laughs> so early in the morning. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I've had two coffees and I'm still not fully operating. But uh, like between automation and H2H, you know, like because I, I get that kind of question a lot with automation, like how do you like it, it, how, how far is too far mm-hmm. automation, but there, there's still like plenty of stuff you can do to have a relationship with, with people while automating, but that is not the topic. So like, <laughs> uh, I, I just find it interesting because yeah, I mean, they're, they're almost, you can almost view the uh, H2H and automation as opposite ends of the scale, but I think they can, they can work together. Um, so yeah, like what's an example like of, of H2H that you love? An example that I love is here in Brisbane in a little suburb called Milton. Uh, you know, and I talked about this when I was at the speaking event is that the, for, when I was pregnant with Finley, I walked into this place called Tognini's uh, and it's a beautiful Italian cafe. And when I was pregnant, I always got the same thing, a Diet Coke and one of the raspberry blueberry muffins. Well, Finley will turn 10 uh, next week at time of recording. And so for the last 11 years, I've continued to go to this beautiful cafe because when I first started, I was greeted with like, you know, hi, how are you? Then they got to know me and then they started asking questions about, you know, how's your pregnancy going? Then I had Finley and then they made sure that they would, you know, interact with Finley. And then I had Chloe. And so the thing is, is I still go to this restaurant after 11 years because they greet us. They're kind of my family and they've created that experience and interaction with their brand every single time I'm there. So from the time I walk in to the time I leave, all their staff are always, you know, you know, really hands on deck. How are you? How's the kids? What's going on? Interactive. And it's that, it's, that's the reason why I keep going back. And I don't even, their muffins aren't as good even as they used to be. They don't put as much fruit in them as they used to, you know? Uh, however, the, the thing is, is I still drive 20 minutes from the gap to where I live to go to Milton to get that muffin and that Diet Coke two to three times a week because again it's just because it's part of you know it's part of what I've done it's probably maybe a little bit routine but more importantly I just kind of feel at home when I go there because it's just such a communal area yeah and they've created so so in like the easiest way to describe it is what you said like it's an experience uh that they've created for you uh that makes you continue to go back because you love dealing with them even if their their product is sort of dropped in quality not, that, that's not a ticket to me, uh, let you ask <laughs> quality, but. <laughs> totally. but I also believe, you know, there's a saying that I go by and that is conversation is conversion. And so they've taken the time to get to know me and have repetitively, you know, I mean, conversations throughout the 11 years. And because of that, I'm still a paying customer. They're still converting me on the every, every single time, even their diet Coke, like they charge $4 for a can of diet Coke. I can go to Kohl's and get a case and it costs me 50 cents. I'm still paying the four dollars, right? Mm. Um, and there's a there's a quote that I also um, really like, and it's I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And that's the thing is they've for 11 years have made me feel like I belong at their cafe, that my children belong there. And again, it's through that experience and interaction that keeps me paying four dollars for a can of Diet Coke, and you know, I mean the blueberry muffin that doesn't have as many blueberries as it used to. This um, makes me think a little bit about like, I'm, I'm trying to apply this to sort of agency life where people are working with clients um, often remotely, whether, you know, so a big thing for me that's made a big difference is Loom, you know, like how easy it is now to send a video to someone because like, you can, you can just hit reply on an email and go, you know, blah, 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 answer their question, um, you know, 
I mean, there's an art to that too, you know, like you can write a few words, like as few words as possible and make it clinical and, and cold, mm-hmm. uh, or you can try and warm it up with smiley faces and stuff. You know? <laughs> like that's literally, I, I feel like that's what emojis are for is to put some personality into text. Uh, yeah. But Loom and or recording a little video to send to people is just next level, right? Like it changes mm-hmm. everything when they can see you and hear you. Um, like is, is that, a good example, do you think, of H2H? 100%. You know, anytime that, again, you can start, people can start hearing you, seeing you. And again, remember, it's that experience, right? So if they get, say, 10 emails an hour and all of them are text or emojis or whatever, and then all of a sudden they get this video from James Rose in there, they're going to go, you're going to stand out. And that's, you know, what we'll talk about in a few minutes about the benefits and why you need to do this. But that's the thing is that you stand out from everyone else, James, and therefore you've created that experience and that interaction and you become memorable, you've started a conversation, which is going to end probably in a conversion. It might not be right at the beginning, but through time, these little experiences along the way are ultimately doing warming potential leads or current, do you know what I mean, people to either upsell them, etc. So it is, it's an important touch points. Yeah. And do you think this can be done on a one-to-many scale? Like I know in your Facebook group, I see you doing a lot of uh, videos and stuff, and obviously they're not personalized. You're not reaching out and going, Hey James, blah, blah, blah. You're just talking to the guys in the group. And I still think that is like H2H. Like, do you still count that as H2H? Because I'm just worried that like, you know, I I, I couldn't do one-on-one with every single one of our clients, right? Because we just like the the nature of software is a low price product. Um, There's just too many clients, right? Like I literally couldn't do it. Um, So is, is doing this one to many. Okay. 100%. I think it's about like, again, whatever you can do to do something that's unique and creating that interaction with them. So even though I'll do one to many in my Facebook community, the reality of it is, is when I start seeing people come on board, I've taken time to get to know them. So like if you were to, if I saw you, I'd be like, oh, hey, James, how's everything going in Brisbane? Have you been skateboarding today? Or there's people down in Victoria. I'm like, hey, everyone, you know, Michelle, how's it going with you and your family? So I've taken time throughout having my group over the years, you know what I mean, to really try to get to know people. Yes, there's 5,000 or almost 6,000 people in the group, and no, I don't know everyone, but I do scroll through there. I do try and pick up on things so that I can, you know, comment and have that one-to-one interaction when I'm doing a one-to-many video where I can, and, Mm. you know, just making people feel included, and that's a lot of positive uh, emails that I get and feedback from people is, you know, Angie, we're on a video, and you noticed me that's never happened before, you know, like, so it's something so simple, but yet I, you know, if they think about a coach and that's the other thing is I'll be in other Facebook groups now and people are tagging me left, right, and center, you know, recommending me as a business consultant and coach. And I'm like, who are these people? But I go back and I'm able to track them into my Facebook community. And it's because I've either commented on one of their posts, do you mean, or I have gone in and I've greeted them on a, you know, live video. It's these little things. It's again, those interactions that I'm creating because I'm going a little bit further out of my, I mean, uh, ability to just like copy and paste everyone uh, that again, I believe is helping me to, to get my business where it is and to yeah, turn those conversations into conversions. I hate to um, go all process and automation on you, but <laughs> when you were talking about scrolling through and like, you know, you know that I'm into skateboarding uh, and, you know, someone's got, a daughter called, you know, Sally or something like, do you, is this just all in your mind or are you taking notes in some kind of system? Cause I feel like I'd forget all of like, I'm really bad with minutia. I forget everything. 
Yep. No. So for me, is it's it's pretty much it clicks in my brain. Do you know what I mean? So I don't have notes or anything. I just am able to go. Yeah. I kind of like associate. So people who know me know that I'm from Canada. I love the color pink, which I'm actually wearing today, and I love Nutella. So I I try and um, connect people with things that do you know what I mean will remind me of them as the uniqueness. So for you again, I know I know you, but also like things that I know about you uniquely is that you love skateboarding. You've just come back from hiking. You love traveling. So I try and. Uh, put something associate something with someone that's like a fun fact about them that's how i'm able to keep that in my brain yeah nice that's um it's almost like a memory palace type type situation going on there which is a whole other topic (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so do you think h2h is different depending on the country like i imagine people respond differently to different I think you have to always be mindful that different countries will do different things just because of, you know, norms, society, you know, hierarchies, you know, uh, female, male roles in each of those countries. But at the end of the day, people are still humans. And I think that's, you know, if you still treat people kindly and respectfully within their own culture and within their own society, I think the power of HH marketing is going to be equally distributed in those countries, just as long as you're mindful of, you know, I mean, what you need to do from a society and norms point of view. So yes, I still think it's extremely beneficial and could be in those countries. Yeah. I wonder, like, for me, I always wonder if like some word I'm going to say is going to be like, you know, in Australia, it just might be a a normal word, but then someone in another country might find it offensive. Like that's always a worry for me. Like here's a random one I was thinking the other day, like I was saying, um, I was going to say that like this, this experience I had from my digital agency has kind of like. I was going to say it's like almost given me like PTSD for this kind of thing, but like, I don't know if you can say PTSD because that's like a, you know, pretty, it's like a, a word, a very specific word for a real problem. And if I'm using that without actually having that problem, is that offensive? So like, <laughs> Listen, I think people, you know, as you know, I talk openly about, you know, I've had depression and anxiety before too, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, like PTSD, I don't think I would never take offense if someone's like, it's like depression or it's like anxiety, like, but that's just my nature in me. I'm just yeah. kind of like, that wouldn't bother me. So I think you will always run the risk that you potentially could upset someone. Yeah. Um, just by not using the right word. But I always look at that's on them. If they're going to perceive that and make a big deal about it, do you know what I mean? Well, the, you know, you probably don't want those people in yeah. your corner anyways. You know, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. I'm like, I, I do often think that offense is, is the responsibility of the person taking offense. But at the same time, I know not everyone is like you and I um, in that we just like, you know, water off a duck's back in that we sort of don't, care about <laughs> no, no it's just one of those things that I just kind of go I, there's no point in me wasting my energy or my time into it if I'm gonna you know if I'm someone's going out of their way to be mean or derogatory about a particular race religion culture that's very different but I think mm. if you're just using something in general conversation in context and mean no harm yeah I just kind of go oh, why waste energy on getting upset about that but God. that's just personally <laughs> You know, I wish everyone thought like that because it's totally not worth spending mental energy and becoming like mad and all that over something so small. I had a really good quote once that was like, anger is like holding on to a hot coal with the intention of throwing it at someone else. <laughs> like you're only burning yourself. <laughs> yep, 100%. <laughs> to me, taking offense is exactly the same. Like you're literally just burning yourself. 
I couldn't agree more. And I think that, again, that's a whole probably another topic, but people, you know, people's success and failure in business, I'm a firm believer is it's on them. It's on no one else. But yet so many people will try to blame people. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying if you've got a shitty web developer, if you've got a shitty product or you're producing a shitty service, right? There is that onus. But if you're genuinely doing what you're supposed to do in the role that you're signed up to do, so many people will just blame other people for the outcomes. But yeah, that's a whole nother probably topic, James. Oh, <laughs> or love this we could just like go on like a hundred thousand tangents what what is back on topic right now like what's the next next like h2h thing that people need to know i think i think i think for for us i think it's important for those listeners to maybe understand what the benefits are um around h2h marketing and so maybe because some people might be sitting on the fence about it and then others might go "Eh, i don't i'm not 100 percent sold and i guess one of the things that I always kind of start off with is the benefit and it's something so simple, but yet so true is that, you know, most recent studies have concluded that your customers are human. And, (laughs) you know, like in this world where we're at, I think sometimes because we're so busy writing blogs or doing podcasts or, you know, working like upskilling your team or doing a zap or a hook or whatever you want to call it for the day, you know, like we forget that on the other end that these people are human. So to me is it's like, again, why do you need and what's the benefit is that you really need to think that that you're humans on the other end. The other thing that I think people need to think about why you need H to H and is that you must stand out and be the purple cow. And I talk about the book by Seth Godin, the purple cow, and it's similar to what you were just talking about a minute ago, but is that you stand out. All right. And that people know you from the crowd. So if you use the example earlier on about loom is that if you had 10 people in the inbox in the one thing that stood out, you would have become the purple cow, James, because you were different. And what Seth Godin talks about in his book, The uh, Purple Cow, is that they're driving in this beautiful drive in France and they're passing all these beautiful cows and they're brown cows, white cows, black cows, but eventually they become old and boring. And so to me, one of the benefits and why you need HH marketing is that you must stand out and be the purple cow. Because if not, you're just going to blend in with everyone else. What's your unique point of difference? You're going to start to use that. But if you can start to use HH marketing and create that experience and that interaction, you're going to stand out. And the benefit for you is that when people have to choose between an agency, agency A and agency B, if you're standing out and being the purple cow, they're more likely going to go to you because you've chosen to have a conversation, which is going to end in that conversion. Yeah. And this is especially massive in agencies because it's a question I get all the time, you know, like what, like what is a differentiation point? Um, and it is very hard um, to differentiate yourself as an agency, you know, like if you're doing SEO, so uh, 20 other agencies, uh, you know, within the three blocks of you. <laughs> so, uh, and, and there's so many agencies providing all the same services. And I mean, yeah, the, it's usually pretty obvious uh, when, when there are really bad ones that you want to um, avoid. But um, for the most part, I think people do business with people, right? Uh, 100%. And, yeah. So standing out um, from a personal level is, is pretty key and it's very big in agency land. Very key. And I think, again, it's, you know, so, so super simple in my opinion, but I think because we've gone, automation is so also equally super simple once you have it set up that I think we feel like that human to human is going to be so much more work when the reality of it is, is again, you throw a loom, it takes you two minutes to record and throw it in an email. Like it's not that much harder really, but what you, the outcomes that you potentially can gain from that are so much 
right? Or this doing what everyone else is doing. So again, that benefit of being the purple cow. And I also think reason three why you need that H to H marketing in there is that, you know, emotional motivators drive consumer behavior. And when you drive consumer behavior, again, you equal that sales. So again, this is also, you know, an overall strategy of our business to incorporate H to H marketing. It's not just, yes, you know me, James, I'm a very good person. I'm a caring person. I'm this, but I also know that I need to make money to feed my family. So if I have to choose a strategy, I'm much going to choose H to H marketing because that falls in with who I am and what I naturally stand for. But equally, I know it's going to, you know, those emotional motivators that I'm touching with people um, are going to lead to doing growing solid credibility, community, authority, and ultimately end in sales. So those are a few reasons why I think you need that H to H marketing and some of the benefits that are with that. Yeah, I'm just sort of thinking about like my experience, you know, I was on a phone call with someone the other day and they said they, they felt like they, they knew me through, um, through video and stuff. And that like, it, it just kind of, I really enjoy that. And I think that the big, I like you, um, the thing I like most in business is that like that, that human part. And it's almost like the, all the automation and processes and stuff that I'm doing are so that I could spend more time just talking to people because <laughs> I love that, love that part of business. I guarantee though, there are people listening that like, don't like talking to people at all. Um, I, I don't know if that's a hundred percent of the time. Like for me, I go through phases where I'm like, I just don't want to talk to anyone I don't want to deal with humans at all today. Everybody sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And sometimes I think that's again, but when you have that insight, I think it is like, you don't have to show up every day from a human to human, right? There's different elements that you could bring in like a new, like when I onboard people, for example, for my group coaching program, again, and I don't get hundreds of numbers. So let's be really honest, they'll be in groups, say 15, 20, sometimes 30, uh, depending on the intake process for that. But I will pick up the phone and I will call everyone, right? And I remember when I was on my way to the Maldives for my mastermind um, last year, with a mutual friend of ours, um, I was in the Singapore airport and of the, it was only 10 people on that time, the eight people didn't even answer their phone. So this is the other thing you also have to remember that doing things like this, people are going to freak out if they don't even recognize your phone number. So it's actually taking you 30 seconds to pick up the phone, leave them a message and hang up. And they're still going to get human to human. Mm. But the two people I did pick up the phone, one was like, this Angela, Angela who? No, this isn't Angela. Angela, like people, no, who is it? And they thought I was pranking them because they didn't actually believe that I was, you know what I mean? Wow. Going to put on call. And the second person was like, no, 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 no. And you're on the way to the Maldives. There's no way that you can possibly be calling me. And I'm like, I am. I'm in Singapore. I'm using Skype credit on my phone through the internet to call you to say hello, right? <laughs> so people were like gobsmacked that I'd taken. And it was literally three minutes I was on the phone. I just wanted to say hello, welcome them to the program that I excited to work with them when I get back from the Maldives. And that was it. Mm. Um, and I've heard them talk about that with other friends and people, but like, those stories continue because of the experience and the interaction I created by taking time to make a three minute phone call. Yeah. And a lot of the time it doesn't need to be that time consuming. Hey, like uh, one thing that I've had with all uh, our software businesses so far, there's been three of them uh, that actually made it to market, (laughs) but um, every single one of them, people have been like, your support's amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's because uh, like in the SaaS world, a lot of people say that support's the first thing you should outsource. And even like a lot of the people that have been there and done this for a long time, have said that, um, you know, they wish they outsourced support sooner. And I'm like the complete opposite. I'm like, that's like one of the, I want to be doing that myself for as long as possible because it not like it, people know me now, like they know our support's amazing. Um, they, uh, like they literally talk about 
our support. It's like one of the one of the biggest things that people talk about. Um, and I even had someone say like, "Oh, I'm willing to wait for the new version because like our, our current version isn't like the best, right?" I'm really we're pushing out a new version in a couple of months, and they're like, "Like I'm basically just hanging around because of your support." You know that kind of stuff is awesome, um, and takes me maybe 15 minutes a day of work. You know, it's not a huge amount of time. And this is just like a huge differentiator. Uh, It's massive. And like, I I think people underestimate how massive it can actually be because again, you're, you're actually emotionally touching people's lives. Do you know what I mean? Through communication. Whereas like it just, it's just another email. How many emails do we all get every single day? Right. But you, but you show up, you have conversations, you respond. And I also equally agree that outsourcing your customer service, in my opinion, also should be one of the last things. I have had two big mentors tell me in the last 12 months that the discovery calls I do with my coaching clients that I potentially will take on board should be done through a sales team. And I'm like, hell no. You know, like, Mm. not only is it about them being able to test drive me, but I equally get a chance to build rapport and test drive them to see if I'm the right fit for them. Don't walk into Mercedes or BMW and say, I'm going to take the $400,000 car, but I don't want to see it. I don't want to test drive it just to give me the contract. It doesn't work like that. So especially in, you know, higher ticket um, services, you need to have more touch points. So for me, I'm with you, customer service and that beginning of the sales process, wherever that is, I want to be a part of it. Now, I'm not to say that that's going to be as intense as it is now throughout my whole business career. But right now for the last, you know, nine years of being in business with my first business in here, I am the forefront of that customer service and I'm okay with that where so many gurus are telling me I shouldn't be, but I'm, you know, uh, it's working for me. So it's yeah, working for it. you. Know what I mean, so I'm just kind of like, I, uh, you know, I kind of push back on some of these gurus cause I'm like, what could your business maybe look like if you did do this? Like, could you, could you be doubling it? I don't know, you know, uh, but yes. And, and it's becoming a massive point of differentiation because the, as the barriers to entry drop and anyone can go into business and anyone can hire like a random VA to do quote unquote, do support, you know, like having good support and like as the, like the product owner or like the service, like the actual person, you know, like the, in the airport, the, that story where like, they're like, what actual Angela is calling me? Like mm-hmm. that is such a, a way to stand out now because people are expecting stuff to be automated. Yeah, well, exactly right. And that's why like people just assume <laughs> you know what I mean? that I've removed myself completely out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want that. And I think big businesses too, you know, have a lot to, to be said that even if they hopped on an Instagram story once in a while, like the CEO of Qantas or, you know, some big food chain, I reckon the community and loyalty that they would continue to, you know, have and potentially embrace would just be crazy for their sales. But no, no one that I know is doing that at this, none, none, none of those big companies, like super big companies. Oh, yeah, like, nice. um, but I would love one company just to take it on board and just test it for a year because I reckon they would stand out and be the purple cow for sure. Yeah. And uh, this is actually sad, but I, I remember seeing something recently where the, a company did do this and it was a big one, but I've completely forgotten. Um, I think one example though is Elon Musk. Like everyone, like he's right in there with all these like social media and stuff. Um, yeah. Podcasts. Do you know what I mean? Like he, do you mean he is very present, you know, uh, you know, especially when that, horrific uh, incident happened with those kids, you know, where I can't even remember what country, gosh, that's bad, but you know, that 
yet where he like created the device to be able to get them out. Like, you know, that was really amazing to see that he was trying to be proactive, come up with a solution. He had the resources and mm. yeah, like that's those stories stick with us. Right. Yeah, um, so yeah. Um, one that's, uh, this is a total side note, another podcast actually, um, is how I built this. Um, I find it really interesting because they generally interview, uh, CEOs or founders of really big companies, you know, like I think, um, Shopify was there okay. and like, it really humanizes them. Like you just hear it, like these guys are like absolutely killing it, obviously. And you just, they're just like another person talking on a podcast. And yeah, so like it, it really does stand out. I remember so many stories from, from that podcast, like the compact, the guy that um, was behind compact computers, uh, Belkin cables, like how they started as a cable company and like all that sort of stuff. It was just like, yeah, super cool to hear like that human side of these big businesses. But it's interesting. So like you said, it would be interesting then to take that to the next level. So they've come on for a podcast. It might be an hour podcast, right? Yeah. Then those beautiful stories should be blended throughout either their websites or through their social media. Like I would love to be able to hear that continuity of that story be weaved throughout because that's what would make it memorable for me to stick with them and go, oh yeah, did you know that this is how they started? Like mm-hmm. I remember at a speaking uh, a conference here in Brisbane, the the company Thank You was there and they were talking about how like their first you know runs of water all this water arrived into Australia and they thought they were going to have to like, it was not, it wasn't usable. And then the second run, I believe same thing, not usable. And then they had to get really creative. And then that's how they were able to get into coals and woolies with like these airplanes and banners and, you know, like really out of the box content marketing. But I never knew that they almost went belly up, not once, but twice, but it was like, wow. Okay. That's, you know, I had a different level of respect for them uh, hearing that story, but it was only because I was at that conference that I knew of that story. Right. So yeah. Yes, good to see those things. <laughs> I am wondering um, how much um, Aussiness we just got into that uh, thing with, uh, like, I think pretty sure Thank You was an Australian only company. We talked about Coles and Woolies, which they don't have. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for those that aren't, yes, those very, yes, so, uh, Australian brands for sure. Yeah, our big supermarket chains. And I wasn't even sure about going belly up. I don't know if Americans say that. So I just Googled it and I think they do. I <laughs> know. I was like, I've lived in the US too. I think we have said I've used belly up before. So yeah, yeah. It should be all right for your listeners out there Googling slang terms for Australia. Oh, uh, it's, it's so hard. Like I'm starting to translate things on the fly for Americans, but, um, and, but then sometimes I really like to mess people up. Like a Canadian was talking to me the other day and I said, flat out like a lizard drinking just to mess with her. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. And what did she say? Did she, was she just silent? He was just like WTF. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just to clarify, uh, listeners, um, pretty much no one in Australia says flat out like it was a drinking anymore. It's like an old time thing, but it's, it's funny to mess with people. It is. Angela, is there uh, anything we need to cover? Like, oh, anything? Listen, I also think it would be good to just touch on, the, you know, the sales process because I know a lot of sure. your listeners will yeah, have the sales process. And I guess the difference for me uh, that I've been able to relate with the human to human marketing is through a book called The Go-Giver, which is by Bob Berg oh, yeah. and David, uh, John David Mann. And 
what they, they kind of assess in this is that there's a traditional sales process that you have, which is pretty much you've got your prospect, you qualify, you present, you overcome objections, uh, you close, you follow up, and you provide customer service. And I say provide customer service with air quotes because that's not all companies really do that. But what the guys talk about in the go-giver, and this is where I really think it relates to that next level of human-to-human marketing, is that they're saying create value first, touch people's lives, build your networks, be real, stay open, and from that you will become profitable. And that's why I think their book really, in the essence of their sales process, really weaves into that HH marketing. Because if you can do those things that they're talking about, creating value first, touching people's lives, building that network, being real, like people will want to be around you. People will want to hang out. People will want to be part of that community because you know you're not treating them like a number, but you're treating them like humans to which they are. Um, so, yeah, so I just wanted to touch a little bit on that because I think it's important yeah. to understand that when you do H to H marketing, uh, the sales process will ultimately be a little bit different than uh, predominantly your traditional sales process. Yeah, nice. That's awesome. And I've got a question I was going to ask about how, how you know, specifically you use it, but we've kind of dug, un- dug into that already, right? Like we've got the Facebook group stuff and the, the calls. Uh, what, what else do you do? Um, listen, one thing that I know that I have shown you, I'll take credit for that, is I give personalized gifts, do you know I mean, to each uh-huh. one of my uh, one-to-one clients and also my group coaching clients. And you and I have talked immensely about this and that if you give someone a branded, like your own brand pen or notebook or whatever, there's a disattachment there. There's not a lot of emotional connectedness and people are more likely just to throw that away and not really think nothing Absolutely. about it and we just wasted all this money on this quote-unquote branding uh, mechanisms. Whereas what I what I do and what you do also with your coasters is that we have our you know one of my clients and you also use Michelle is that we create personalized gifts. So it has for me the year the business was established, the name of their business, and then I send that to them. Um, and I can't tell you people send me they tag me on Instagram stories. They do their lives with their little plaque behind because it's a representation of them. It's not about me. So I've made that extra level that human to human touch by identifying their brand their business and valuing that um and it, yeah so every time i you know have a new client come on board that's what they that's what they get so um yeah, yeah. so yeah so there are a few little things that i do uh make the phone calls do the facebook lives do my own sales process um so yeah and listen it's working so yeah. nice and the gift thing's massive hey like i i love sending gifts to people uh it became like a big thing for me for a while i've kind of faded out of it except for the pod like podcast guests always get their uh get some coasters with um their logo engraved on it and yeah people love that stuff and yeah if if, uh, any previous guests are listening to this it was actually angela that hooked me up with the contact uh contact that helps us uh with those gifts uh so and i specifically didn't fill in your blanket for so when i filled in james's sheet for the podcast it says and i need your business name and your logo and all this and i was like not filling out because i already have two sets of my own coasters (laughs) (laughs) she sends them to me with and she's testing out new products. I was like, James, it's okay. I got this one this time. That's awesome. That's <laughs> funny. I, I'm, I guarantee I'm going to get a question uh, from my uh, project manager and VA, Bernie, uh, saying, Like, why this lady hasn't, friend. we can't follow up. <laughs> Can you get Angela's address? And I'll be like, No, don't worry. She <laughs> <awesome."> <laughs> oh, it's too funny. But yeah, but again, it's those human touch points, you know, so it's super important. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, awesome. Well, I think that just about wraps this up. Uh, Angela, where can people go to find out more about you? 
Yeah, if people want to, you know, find out more or again, connect, I do a lot in my free Facebook community, uh, which is called the Australian Business Collaborative. Uh, please be mindful that again, it's not just Aussies in there. We've got people from all around the world. James is also in there. Uh, so, yeah, so it's fun. Very, I think it's, uh, again, differential points with that Facebook community is that I'm in there. I'm present. I'm asking questions. It's quite a lot of fun. And you can also find me over on my website, which is AngelaHenderson.com.au. Uh, and my last thing is if you're into podcasting, which I'm assuming you are if you're listening to this is I also have my own podcast called Business and Life Conversations with Angela Henderson. So yes, would love to connect with you in some way. And all of these will be linked up in the show notes, which are going to be at agencyhighway.com slash 61. I will also link to the video tool. We talked about Loom, uh, the Go-Giver book, how I built this podcast um, and all of Angela's stuff. Uh, So yeah, Angela, thank you so much for joining me. Well, it's so fun and I will see you in a few days at the conference. Absolutely. Bye, hon. Bye, guys. Uh, And if you're listening to this and you would like some free advice, please reach out to me and let me know the biggest problem you have with your agency right now and I'll try to find an expert to answer it. Uh, To ask your question, go to agencyhighway.com, head to the contact form and just type in uh, whatever is on your mind right now and I'll see if I can find someone that can help you with that. Alrighty, that's it for now, and I will see you in the next episode. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more, and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.